It is Thursday, November 9th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. And now, Jacksonville Jaguars 2023 Homecoming King, J.P. <laughs> Thank you for all the votes. Appreciate it. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, and it's brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. Busy week. The Jaguars and the 49ers coming up this Sunday. The game presented by Baptist Health, a physical matchup expected. And the stretch run underway, the beginning of nine straight weeks with games and some really big games for the first place Jacksonville Jaguars. At 5 o'clock, we'll hear from the head coach, Doug Peterson, on, you guessed it, the Doug Peterson Show. That's on the Jaguars radio network at 5 o'clock today. And we'll hear from Trevor Lawrence on that program as well. Caught up with the quarterback earlier this week. Get his thoughts coming out of the bye week and moving ahead, starting with San Francisco. We're on 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. And Jeff Lagerman joining me now in studio here at the Miller Electric Center. And good afternoon off the bye week, back to work logs. Fresh, ready to go, ready for the second half. You look spry, you look ready, you look eager to go here. Great. Yeah, I feel it. I feel great. I feel great. And, you know, here's the best thing. This is about as good of a second half season of football Ooh. that you could ever imagine Ooh. in Jaguars history. I mean, look at the games that we have coming up in the second half. I mean, starting with this one, which might be the game of the week in the National Football League. Could be. I mean, there are bangers the rest of the way. I mean, San Francisco this week, home against the Titans next week, and all of a sudden they've got a new quarterback. And then Stroud. Yeah, Stroud in Week 12. Arguably one of the hottest young quarterbacks. I mean, rookie sensation of the Houston Texans who beat this team. And they're 500 now all of a sudden. It's not like they're that far back Gaining some ground. Joe Burrow on Monday Night Football. Big. At Cleveland. At Cleveland with arguably one of the best defenses in the National Football League and, and maybe the defensive player of the year. Let me tell you, the weather in Cleveland December 10th is always just beautiful. It's great in the booth. Yeah, I don't have to worry you. about that. Uh, December 17th, the Ravens here on Sunday night. The highest point differential in the National Football League. That's Sunday night football. Lamar Jackson, the best defense maybe in the National Football League. That the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, they might be playing the best football in the league right now. Yeah, and then at Tampa, Christmas Eve, and then home Which against. Which is great. It's in the state. It's yes. Holiday Close time. Close enough. Panthers here. Bryce Young, if he's still alive then. He's so skinny and you think, not playing you, well. You think that the Carolina fans are sitting there going, we really screwed up. Yeah, probably. Um, we and picked then the wrong guy. At Tennessee in the last week of the season to which, wrap it up. Which, so. uh, by the way, the two Tennessee games that are still left to be played, uh, rookie quarterback Will Levis, who – for all accounts, haven't watched him personally yet, but everybody's saying he's looked pretty good. So that is a stretch of nine games ahead for this team and uh, some really, really good ones. But you can't get to the last eight before you get past the first one. And One step at a time. Yes, and the first step is the San Francisco 49ers. We'll get to uh, really in-depth in this game coming up in a little bit. But, um, you know, it's it's a Jaguars team coming off the bye. Let's start from the Jaguars' perspective first, 6-2. and two. They won five games in five stadiums in four cities over a seven-time zone stretch going into the bye week, which is unbelievable. Uh, by the way, congratulations on keeping all of that organized. It's a lot, head. right? Yeah, that's a lot. A lot of numbers. Stadiums, dates. Yeah, seven. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Now, the health of the team's getting better coming off another bye week. They had the mini bye, of course. You hope so. The one game, and it feels like it's trending the right way. You would hope it is coming off the full bye week. The one kind of question still, I mean, there's a few guys that were limited yesterday. We'll get to the injury report when it comes out a little later. Um, but you would think the secondary guys that missed the game last time against Pittsburgh could be back with their hamstring issues. Um, the, the well, big they, qu- they were game day test tester outers, okay, in Pittsburgh. That's, that's the official outers, term. Right? That's the official term. <laughs> you know, they worked them out before the game to see how the, where they were at, and they decided that Tyson Campbell and Andre Cisco uh, that they would exercise a little bit of caution, and, and it worked out great. I mean, it gave them an extra two weeks to heal before uh, before returning to action, so it worked out perfectly. Walker Little is expected to be back. That's good news. Yeah, Left and guard. he he is. If you look at it from um, one one standpoint, just to give you a number, okay, PFF standpoint, he's the highest rated Jaguars offensive lineman. Now, there's a limited amount of, of snaps that you can grade him at at left guard, but he, you know, hope, hopefully he returns to the lineup, which will allow Shatley to be in a valuable backup swing position role at center or guard or whatever, you know. And then uh, the question is, is Ezra Cleveland, where is he going to be at? By the way, he's our guest tonight on Jaguars All Access. All right. Welcome to Jacksonville. And hey, come on the show. Yeah, so we're going to have go. him on the show, get to know him a little bit. Uh, he he spent some time under Phil Rauscher in Minnesota because that's where Phil Rauscher came from prior to coming here, the Jaguars offensive line coach, who, by the way, I think is one of the best offensive line coaches in football and so there's some familiarity there which is one of the reasons why I'm sure that they traded for Ezra Cleveland on top of oh by the way the more good players that we can get in front of 16 the better off we're going to be and this is yeah with the stretch run here you need as many big bodies that have experience that can play in a pinch out there and Mm -hmm. that's that was the reason for that deal moving ahead Uh, happy too to see that Ben Barch back on the practice squad yeah you know a, a guy that you know look he had a a couple of years ago, he was my most improved player. Yeah, I thought he had a, a really good year um, two years ago. Then last year, he ended up sustaining the knee injury and then kind of comes back into the lineup this year really without a lot of reps. And that's kind of a tough situation to be put in. Didn't play all that well. And uh, and then he's back on the practice squad. Let him get his feet back underneath of him. And, you know, maybe at some point down the road, he can be a, a, a player that you can depend on. And the, the other question, another really big question, at least, is Zay Jones with the knee issue. He's been out more than he's been in this season. When he's been in, he's had some spectacular moments. A touchdown week one, uh, a touchdown in London against Buffalo in the back of the end zone. You know what he is in the red zone. You know what he is on third down. And um, maybe not a coincidence that the Jaguars have had red zone and third down issues early in this season because Zay is a big piece of that puzzle. What was his practice status yesterday? I believe it was limited. I can okay. check that. Um, just out of curiosity because uh, I think a lot of people expected him to maybe be back before the bye, didn't make it, you know, because he had the knee injury and then he came back and played and then all of a sudden – he was inactive again, obviously maybe a setback of some kind. So you hope that he, he is able to play soon, but limited, limited yesterday. yesterday. And, okay. you know, we saw him in the open media time again today. He's getting the early work stuff done. Not sure exactly when practice really begins, how much he's doing. But uh, he was out there in the early warm-up stages with um, Christian Kirk and, mm-hmm. and Calvin Ridley off to the side. That's how they kind of normally start warming up. After that, who really knows? This, this offense has 
it has another gear with him. You know, and what I, what I mean by that is that I believe that they're much more dynamic with him on the field for a couple of reasons. One, he is a legitimate deep threat because Zay has speed to get past guys and to threaten the deep part of the field on defenses. And so that's a valuable aspect to have. On top of that, as Trevor has said repeatedly, that Zay runs the best double move that this team has. You go back and you remember the touchdown, the last touchdown that he had, it was uh, – you remember the game? I'm trying to remember the game that it was. He put the move on the guy and literally ran a little in route on the end zone and catches it. It was a, a thing of beauty. I want to say it was the, the last home game that we had that was here. I mean, it was a – Colts? Uh, I think it was the Colts. Okay. A beautiful move that he ran a little in route on and uh, for a short touchdown. I, he just – and also I think he provides an energy for that – for that receiving group and the offense that that helps them out in a big way, and that's that's you know look you the more guys that have that the better off you are. It was the Buffalo game in London. Thank you. That's what it was, yeah, because he game. was inactive the, the next because he yes. got hurt in that game again. I think on that sideline route and never really was the same after that. And he's been active inactive that uh, route. Since then. That route against Buffalo was was fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic route. They hit him in the hand. I mean, a tough what, play. But, the the yeah. defender literally was frozen. I mean, he he literally. Didn't know what to do. I mean, that's how good of a route that Zay ran. And and the sooner that they can get him back, the better off that they're going to be. Because, look, I, no offense to Agnew. I, mean, I like Jamal Agnew, and I think there's a role for him with this offense. And it's more of those, okay, speed reverses, little quick screens and things like that. But down the field, that's where Zay's world is at. And it opens up a lot for everyone else. So we'll see his status uh, maybe a little later today when they put out the injury report. may not be during while we're on the air. Actually, they, they wait for the, the West Coast team and put it all out together. We'll keep you posted if we see it, though. Jags fans want customized Jaguars furniture for your home? Check out ZipChair.com and browse all customizable options. ZipChair furniture for fans. We're on 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube, J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, it's Jaguars happy hour. We'll get to the Jags defense coming up in their matchup with a San Francisco 49ers offense that is chocked full of weaponry, and they can move it all over the field. That's coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Let's continue with this Jaguars offense, though, Logs, and, you know, the issues they have found, at least in the bye. You always kind of self-scout during the bye week, and pretty much to a man in the locker room going into the bye they said, hey, we've got to stop giving the ball away because they led the league going into the bye in fumbles lost. A lot of those were in the red zone. Which was nine, by the way. Right, nine of those. Uh, so towards the bottom of the league in red zone efficiency in terms of touchdowns. 26. Third down's not great. Nope, actually third down, 25th in the rankings. Not ideal. So Fourth down, another one to put into that mix, JP, while we're talking about Let's talk about the bad. Because they go for fourth down a lot. 27th so. in the National Football League. I mean, those are, are areas that this offense needs to improve on. And I'll give you just one more to add to that mix. Okay, we're adding a long list. Okay, here. offensively, when you get to third and one and fourth and one, what do you got to be able to do? You got to be able to convert by running the football. Yeah. Sneak it. or I mean, a lot of teams would sneak that, right? Well, the quarterback, you know, look, if you want to run the quarterback push, okay, it's what the Eagles do, right? Mm -hmm. The brotherly um, shove. A brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> okay. Or just flat out run the ball. Get in a three-point run the ball. Yeah. The Jaguars offense is converting, I, I wrote this number down, at a rate of 57.1% when they run the ball on third and fourth and one. Okay. That's not a very good rate. Because the NFL league-wide average is 71.3. So, I mean, you're, 
you're off, you know, what, 15, 16 points somewhere in that range and or 14 points somewhere in that range, that's not exactly where you want to be as an offense. And, yeah. and your third down conversion rates, again, 25th, okay, that goes to that number, okay, to, to keep drives moving and also that fourth down conversion rate. So that's an area that I would like to see them get better at on top of the other – ones as well. Obviously, they're running the ball well. ETN's done very well this season. Running in terms the ball of well, but you know the one thing it, in that I'll also add this. Okay, I'd like to see the yards per carry average go up. Now, ETN's been extremely dependable in, in the running game. Sometimes you don't have to have this fantastic number of okay, four point five yards a carry. I mean, for example. Okay, McCaffrey, arguably one of the best running backs in the league. He's number one in the league in rushing. Uh, he's 4.8 yards per carry. That'll play. Okay, ETN's at 3.9. So you'd love to okay. see ETN's number get back up somewhere in, in above the four range, you know, 4.2, 4.3, 4, 4.4, somewhere in that range. But McCaffrey, who the Jaguars are going to face this week, now, I mean, this guy's the real deal. And not only is he a, a running back, he's a – Excellent, or he is an excellent back, receiving back out of the backfield. And we'll get to how to really kind of scheme him, if possible, on the defense here in just a few moments. You know, uh, the the numbers for Trevor Lawrence this year don't jump off the page in terms of touchdowns and all that. What, four interceptions, that's fine. But, you know, nine touchdowns, is that right, this year? A lot of that, though, is, hey, Travis Etienne gets the ball down there close sometimes, right? Well, yes. They've had to do that. But uh, the one thing I think about Trevor, look, I I think he has been as solid as you could ask for. His numbers in the last five games, which obviously a five-game winning streak, his rating combined through those five games is over 100. It's perfect. I mean, mean, almost perfect. That's winning winning football, okay? The touchdown-interception ratio is very strong. Trevor, I think, has been really solid. But here's the thing. Just like we talk about the offense, I, I really believe that there's another level that Trevor can get to. And I think this week he may need to take it to a, a, another level higher against a 49ers defense that, yes, I understand that the last three games they haven't been on the mark. But overall, this is a really good 49ers defense, really good 49ers defense. It's going to challenge you at all three levels. And when you get challenged at all three levels, your quarterback has to be on point. And on another part of this whole equation, and I know we're going to get to matchups later on, but ETN, the better he is, the easier it is for the quarterback, right? I mean, that's kind of always the case. The better the offensive line is, the little bit easier it makes it the job for the quarterback. So if Trevor is on the money this week, they win. Okay, if Trevor is not on the money this week, it gets to be pretty close game. I mean, it's going to be a tough game to win. You've got to play well against a really good defense, and that's a defense in San Francisco that, oh, by the way, they got better in the bye week because they added a really good football player in Chase Young. They did, and coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll get into how to block those guys on the offensive line and where that begins, Mm -hmm. the front seven for San Francisco on defense right there at the top of the National Football League. Uh, Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. We're on Tension XL 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. And back in a moment with Jaguars defensive talk and how do you slow down this 49ers attack with weapons all over the field. It is Jaguars Happy Hour.
you know, the bye is good for getting guys healthy. Uh, the rest, you know, uh, clearing your mind and your head and, and, you know, but when you get back in, it's, it's, you know, how do you maintain an edge? How do you maintain, you know, um, the ability to play for four quarters? Those are all things that, that, are, that are real, you know, coming, coming out of a break. And uh, those are the things that I'll be talking to the team about this week and, and you know, in the next couple of weeks. And, and, um, but it all starts, I think, during the week of preparation, right, in the practice. And then doing little things, you know, uh, extra conditioning, getting in the weight room, training room, um, you know, all those little things, getting rest at night, you know, those are all big pieces to, to how you play, not only coming out of the bye, but but I think as we move down, you know, the rest of the year. That's the head coach, of course, Doug Peterson, earlier this week. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. J.P. Shadrick and Jeff Lagerman from the Miller Electric Center, the Hyundai Studios. We're on 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com and Jaguars YouTube, and we'll hear more from the head coach coming up at 5 o'clock on the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network, also quarterback Trevor Lawrence in a conversation from earlier this week. All right, let's get to this Jaguars defense now, Logs, and we know what they are. They are very good against the run. That's their number one priority each and every week. Bully ball. They are really good in the takeaway game, and they are number one in the league, in fact, tied for first now in takeaways with 18 on the season. And those were two, really, of their stated goals at the start of the year. That's what they were at the end of last season. That's what they are now. Um, the question, though, I have is what's the next step? What, is, what does this defense have to do to be even better, or do they have to be that much better? Are, are they good enough right now to carry this thing if the offense improves? Well, yes. I mean, they're good enough as long as they continue to get the takeaways. I mean, that's really, I think, the great equalizer and, and makes defenses better than maybe what they are statistically. Uh, credit the defense, though. I mean, a big improvement from last year, and one of the big reasons why is that they've really dialed in a scheme that fits the players that they have, and that's playing more – of a zone concept, whereas last year they were trying to play a little bit more man, and it just was kind of like a, a square peg in a round hole. And this year they're playing a lot of zone, and, and they're playing fast. They're staying on the same page together. And you can tell it's, that it's working out a lot better. The biggest improvement this year, while the year is, has been in progress, has been the production on third down. You know, uh, that's been a big improvement to where now they're, they're a top five defense now with actually at uh, the number five rating. At the beginning of the year, we talked about it, JP, right here, about what was the key to this defense's success in 2023. Because we felt that the pass rush was not quite ready to be prime time. And we said that they need to be jam up against the run. Mm -hmm. And they've termed it bully ball. Yeah. Okay, They actively talk about that. And they're playing bully ball. I mean, look at the ranking. Number three in the National Football League at stopping the run, and then your yards per carry uh, is fourth in the National Football League. I mean, those are the numbers that you wanted to see at the beginning of the year when we were having this conversation because it's given them a chance to be able to play the pass without a dominant pass rush. It's a good pass rush because Josh Allen is one of the best pass rushers in the league right now. But if you look at it from a number standpoint, he has nine over half of the team's 16 sacks. And uh, and that's a lot on one guy, okay? And if all of a sudden Josh is negated, okay, with extra attention, which will be coming, 
Okay, then it's tougher for this defense to find somebody else to do that. But, you know, I give Mike Caldwell and, and Bob Sutton a lot of credit. You know, Bob Sutton's a guy that probably doesn't get mentioned a lot. Mike Caldwell's name obviously is bandied about a lot because he's the defensive coordinator and he's done a, a fantastic job. He's grown a lot in his second year. And I think he's really started to understand what his defense does well and the experience that he gained the first year of being a coordinator. He's done a great job. And Bob Sutton has been, I think, a sounding board for Mike Caldwell. But also, he's also been one of those guys that the voices in the background that's been preaching the turnovers, the takeaways. You know, sending group text out the entire defense at odd times of the day about thinking about the takeaways. You know, keeping track of it during the course of the week and practices and charting it of how many times that they force a takeaway in practice and seeing how the awareness – and the attention to that detail and practice has been carrying over in a game has been fantastic for this defense. Bob Sutton has been in coaching since 1972. Long time. <laughs> he was a grad assistant at Michigan in 1972 under Bo Schembeck. Crazy, right? That's when he started. He was former, a head coach at Army for a long time. And yeah. uh, former defensive coordinator in Kansas City for yeah. a number of years. Yeah, all over the place. He's been a few different places, obviously. New York Jets as well. I think well. he was the defensive coordinator under Andy Reid. Yeah. That's right. Uh, not too long ago yeah, in Kansas th City. 13 through 18 for yeah. a long time. So yeah. uh, he's in the building for the Jags for sure. All right, so stopping the run and saying it is one thing and executing it is quite another. Jaguars have done that so far. However, this week you're facing Christian McCaffrey and the number one rushing attack, at least uh, by number one rushing total. He's the number one rusher in the NFL this Correct. year by yardage. But he's not just that. He's a receiver. He can line up in the slot. He can line up outside. He can motion in. He can line up in the eye if you need to. They have a fullback. This guy does everything for them. Okay. How do you slow him down? How do you begin? Well, f first off, Kyle Shanahan's offense is about running the football. It starts right there. Okay, He sure. loves the zone runs, and then the play action is all built off of the success of the running game. And if you remember, JP, let's go back to 2017 when this Jaguars team was really good on defense. Travel to San Francisco to take the take on the 49ers. Christmas Eve. And that was a woodshed game. They beat the heck out of that team. Yep, that's the, right. The 49ers, 49ers beat the heck out of the Jaguars right. in 2017, which was one of the best defenses, period, in Jaguars history. And the reason why is Kyle Shanahan that got the run game going and then the play action was just, you know, just smooth uh, right after that, and Jags, uh, Jags gave up forty-four points in that game. I got whooped, forty-four to thirty-three. I mean, got crushed, and, <laughs> and that was that was a Kyle Shanahan's offense at its best. Okay, and what he loves to do is there's a lot of shifts and a lot of motions. In fact, uh, they shift or motion at the highest percentage rate in the National Football League, uh, nearly eighty percent. So what they do that for, it's kind of window dressing. I wonder who's number, Miami's probably number one. With all that pre-snap um, kind of weird wide yeah. receiver out motion counts. Yeah, I that. don't know if they are or not. I bet I they're up there. But uh, but when you have a lot of that motions and shifts, it challenges your communication. Okay, because once you uh, an offense shifts or motions, the defense has to be able to adjust. Okay, they're adjusting. Things change. Maybe the coverage will shift or whatever. Or strength may change. And so everybody has to be on the same page. So this week I think it will be a, a big game for Foyer to be able to handle some of those shifts and those motions and get everybody on the same page. The communication in the back end is going to be important as well. But what they like to do with all the shifts and motions, 
it's not a it's not a complicated offense, but with the shifts and the motions, it makes it appear to be complicated because you're you're seeing things you're not really paying attention to what it ends up being. You're too busy worrying about where's this guy, where where are they at, are we making sure that we're making the right checks and everything, and that makes it a little bit challenging. But Kyle Shanahan again to go back to the foundation of it: running game, play action, running game, play action. You stop the running game you got a great chance of, of stopping their offense in its entirety because then all of a sudden you put more pressure on a quarterback that is young, that uh, likes to have the comfort zone of the play action, doesn't like to have to be dropping back all the time. And I think it, you, all of a sudden you increase your chances of success greatly if you can stop their running game of McCaffrey. And you got uh, big bodies up front. We'll see if Trent Williams goes. He's been on the injury report again this week. The left tackle who's been in the league now 14 years and made a whole Damn lot of money. 38 years old. It's amazing. He's still playing really, really well. And then tight end George Kittle. Yes, we see him a lot as a receiver down the field, but pound for pound as a blocker. Best blocking tight end. He's got to be. Uh, in fact, uh, we were talking to that about that earlier today and that when you turn the film on, I don't think there's a better tight end in football for a Kyle Shanahan's offense than George Kittle. And the reason I say that, he is an exceptional blocker, a willing blocker, but then also a, a really good receiver. I mean, last week in their – or two weeks ago in, in their game against Cincinnati, which they lost, he had nine catches for like 149 yards. And they, they were down the field stuff. I mean, he's a, he's a good football player. I mean, a really good football player. Uh, I like his game, and, uh, and he's going to be a challenge for the Jaguars to, to handle. But the 49ers offense overall, they've got a, a great amount of weapons because you have McCaffrey, you have Kittle, you have Ayuk, who has the third highest yards per catch average in the National Football League. And then you're getting Debo Samuel back from a hairline fracture in the shoulder. Will they get Trent Williams back is yet to be seen. But if they do, that's, that makes it a tougher matchup for Josh Allen because if Josh Allen could go against a backup, Jalen Moore, Jalen Moore has given up, I think, in a couple games the same amount of pressures that Trent Williams was given up in like the previous six games. <laughs> you know, so, so, I mean, that will help uh, uh, the Jaguars' chances of success. Plenty more ahead, the Jaguars' offensive line. How do they handle the front seven for the San Francisco 49ers? We're going to get answers out of you, Logs. I got them. You do? I got them. We need to walk down the hall and give them down there. I'm no, sure they, could, they Doug, might have trust too. <laughs> Doug doesn't want to hear my answers. No? <laughs> we'll hear from uh, Doug Peterson coming up at 5 o'clock in the Doug Peterson Show. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIProductions.com. And Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. I think the difficult part of it is that they're both just, they're both great players, so that's what makes it hard. I don't think, you know, of course there's going to be things that you might have to adjust to in the game. Um, you know, you're kind of guessing on where they're going to play, what they're going to do, which side they're going to play on. You know, so you don't really know that stuff, but that's something you adjust early. I think from a planning perspective, um, you kind of, you go into it. We've played some good edge guys this year, and uh, Pittsburgh being an example of that. So. We're used to having plans for that, but now it's a new guy with Nick, and obviously Nick's a great player, and, and Chase is too. So, um, at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta win your matchups. You gotta be able to block them. We gotta help. We gotta help our tackles. We gotta 
um, get the ball out, we got to run the ball great, all those things, that's kind of what helps. But uh, at the end of the day, you got to go block them. And when it's two ends, you kind of know what they're going to do. They got to pick a side and they're going to rush and they're going to, you know, play with instincts. And those guys are good players. That's quarterback, of course, Trevor Lawrence earlier this week discussing the edge players for the San Francisco 49ers. Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water. It's worth saving. The full press conference from Trevor available on Jaguars YouTube. Why are you laughing? Uh, just the energy. I mean, uh, it is energy. worth saving. I'm just trying I to mean, emphasize. I, I love it. It's just, you know, you just bring a level of energy. I just I appreciate it. Jake. It's, it's worth it. Yeah. I'm glad you Save bring it. that energy because it is worth it. It certainly is. Uh, and it's worth going to check out Trevor's press conference. We'll hear from uh, Trevor Lawrence coming up in, in the Doug Peterson show. I caught up mm. with him after practice mm-hmm. on Wednesday. And a big mm-hmm. week for him in this offense. He touched on it there. The challenge of... This defensive line for the San Francisco 49ers, certainly the edge guys are, are notable. Nick Bosa is right there at the top of the league in quarterback hits. May not have the big sack total. Uh, in fact, this San Francisco team only has two more sacks than the Jaguars defense, 18 for the season. But let's start up front with Bosa, and then you add Chase Young on the other side. And on their depth chart, he is listed as a starter on the other side opposite Nick Bosa, they roll in some other guys. Their interior guys have numbers as well. So where do you start here with this front for San Francisco slowing them down? Well, you got you just got to block them. I mean, because there's four guys across the front that are all legitimate studs, uh, for real. I mean, Nick Bosa is one of the best players. I mean, look at his numbers. You know, because remember, he had a significant knee injury, I think it was a couple of years ago, and he missed a, a bunch of time. Yeah, that's right. Ends up coming back, and so uh, you look at his numbers. He's has 46 career sacks, okay, 46 career sacks. Think about that, because he's the exact same year as Josh Allen. Okay, Josh Allen has 36 and a half, mm-hmm. okay? But Nick Bosa has missed a significant amount of playing time. He has, in those... Uh, with those 46 sacks, it got him in 59 games. I mean, the guy's the guy's a, a machine when it comes to sacking the quarterback. So he's an excellent player. Chase Young's numbers in his career aren't that great. He's been hurt a lot. But his numbers this year are pretty good. Okay, and he was, what, the defensive rookie of the year, his first year in Washington, a tremendous player. And then you put those two guys, okay, and then put in the middle between them, Hargrave, who they got from Philadelphia, who uh, last year had an excellent year in Philadelphia. I think double – double-digit sacks for the Eagles last year. I think the year before that, he was close or approaching double-digit sacks. And then Eric Armstead, who is a DeForest Buckner, long-arm, big defensive tackle, disruptive. I mean, these, these <laughs> there's four really good football players in the mix here. And they roll in Kinlaw, Randy Gregory's on this team. Cleveland Farrell's a first-round pick in yeah, the past. Yeah, but Farrell was, you know. But, I mean, I mean if those are your rotational guys, okay. uh, that's that's a good That's a good rotation. You a know? Really good rotation. A lot Randy, of teams would love to have them. Randy Gregory and Cleveland Farrell as rotational guys. And then uh, Ken Law, who is a former first-round pick inside, even though he's been largely a disappointment in his career. He uh, has had a ton of injuries. South Carolina guy. Uh, physically, I mean, you know, imposing. He's kind of like Eric Armstead, you know, six foot six, two hundred and ninety some odd pounds. I mean, just a giant of a man. But he just hasn't had the productivity. Kenlaw, his first former first round pick, only has like one and a half career sacks. I mean, that number's 
not very good. Mm. You know, but this is a really good defense. And then all of a sudden, you know, we talk about the front, but then, okay, uh, Fred, Fred Warner, the middle linebacker, is right up there amongst the best middle linebackers in football with Foye Lucan, in my opinion. And then uh, on the back end, Havanga, the, the safety, is a really good player, Pro Bowl player last year. And then right beside him is former Jaguar for three years, Deshaun Gibson, yes. who has over 30 career interceptions. I mean, this is, a good, this is a good defense at all three levels. But there's a little bit of uncomf- uncomfortableness in San Francisco with this defense. Uncomfortability? Uncomfortableness? No, uh, uncomfort- discomfort. Un- yeah, that's better. That's the word. There you go. <laughs> I knew we'd find it. But there's a little bit of discomfort, you know, because remember, they lost their defensive coordinator from last year, who, by the way, is in Houston mm-hmm. and I think is a really good young head coach in this league in D'Amico Ryans. The defense had a swagger last year in San Francisco. And they've got a new defensive coordinator in Steve Wilkes, okay, who was former interim head coach Carolina. And for for whatever reason, they just don't have that swagger that they have. And so in the bye week, Kyle Shanahan talked openly about maybe having Wilkes come from the booth or leave the booth and come down to the field to be in in more of a direct line of communication with the players and the linebackers. And so that's what they're going to be doing this week. So whenever you're in midseason and you start doing some of these adjustments like they're doing with their coach, moving them from the booth to the field, then there is a level of discomfort and they're not satisfied with where the productivity is at or the energy is at on the defensive side of the ball. So – you know, it would be great if you can start fast just to kind of still kind of leave a little bit of that doubt in their minds as a defense. Start fast means you um, have the lead, and they've had the lead in certainly in this win streak, five in a row for the majority of the time. They've trailed for only seven minutes, ten seconds in the last five games the Jaguars have. So when you play either in a tie game or with the lead, and Doug Peterson talked about it, and I'm sure we'll ask him about it in the second hour, you know, you add – all these field goals all of a sudden from 50 plus and you're playing with, yeah, maybe it might be a six point lead, but it's a, can be a different feel when hey, you have that advantage. Hey, you get a six point lead. You have a six point lead going into the fourth quarter. I'm feeling really good about this game. Right. Well, there, there was a number that I, it shocked me. I mean, shocked me. Shocking. Shocking. Stat of the day. Hold your horses. Okay. The Here four, we go. The 49ers. Okay. Under Shanahan. Okay. When they're trailing by three points or more mm. entering the fourth quarter, hmm. their record? Um, out of 31 games. I'd say they have a winning record. Maybe they're, they're 500. They're 1-30. in 30. Really? That's crazy. That's disgusting. I mean, it, it's, it, when I read it, I was like, oh, my God. How is that possible? The 49ers, let me repeat this. The 49ers are 1-30. When trailing by more than three points, enter, entering the fourth quarter under Kyle Shanahan. That is shocking. And it just goes to show you, we talked earlier about what this offense is about, okay? Running the ball, play action. When a team gets behind, what typically, what, what kind of offense do they typically now start to, to execute? They start throwing it. Right, throwing it, um, move it down the field, yeah, well, drop back, it, passing that. game. You yeah. start changing it up, right? Catch up, right? Well, that's not their comfort zone. That's mm-hmm. that's not the 49ers' way of playing offense. Their their way of playing offense is running the ball, 
and play action. And that's why if you can get a little bit of a lead late in the ball game, put the 49ers in a position to where they're not in their comfort zone, uh, I think it would put them in a tough, tough position. And because that number, I think, says a lot. And Brock Purdy, if you look at his performance in the last three games, um, all of his interceptions that he has, which is five on the year, have come in these last three games. And he also has lost a fumble. He's had six giveaways in the three losses that they have had going into the bye week. So you got to try to keep his rhythm in disarray. And the way you do that is that you play bully ball, okay, Jaguar style of football on defense, stop the run, stop McCaffrey, and then do a, a heck of a job of putting a lot of pressure on a quarterback that does not like to do anything but do the, uh, the play action stuff. Now here's the other thing. This is another number I was shocked about. Shocking. You're shocked about a lot of things okay. today. Brock Purdy, by the way, who is Mr. Irrelevant from last year's draft, so pretty interesting. You got a battle of the first overall pick from three years ago and then last year's Mr. Irrelevant. Okay, Purdy is not money in the fourth quarter. Okay, Brock Purdy's numbers in the fourth quarter, his completion percentage drops 10%. Okay, drops 10%. His rating drops in the fourth quarter mm. 30 points mm. okay has more interceptions in the fourth quarter than the combined interceptions in the first second and third quarters that's that's not good that's when you want your quarterback to play above the at his best yeah, right? right and that he's not at its best in the Ooh. fourth quarter and Kyle Shanahan's offense is not at its best if they don't have a lead in the fourth quarter okay well, let's um, hold them to that. Find a way week. to get a little a lead in the beginning of the fourth quarter. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Plenty ahead, including the uh, injury report, not released today yet. We'll review yesterday's officially. Then at 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach coming up. And, of course, Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water. It's worth saving. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water. It's worth saving. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. From the Hyundai Studios at the Miller Electric Center. We're on 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube, ahead of the San Francisco 49ers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. One o'clock kickoff time at the bank. The game presented by Baptist Health this Sunday. We'll get to the injury report coming up. Uh, also a reminder that on Tuesday, November 14th, that's coming up. Uh, next Tuesday. Yes. It's coming Tuesday. Yes, that's this coming Tuesday. look at the calendar. It is November. <laughs> uh, 5 to 6 p.m. Tuesday, November 14th. Head to Publix at University Square and meet Jacksonville Jaguars players for a special appearance from 5 to 6 p.m. That's the Publix 2875 University Boulevard. That's at University and St. Augustine Road, Lakewood area. Uh, okay. Just south of San Marco right there. I go there sometimes. If I'm doing big shopping, that's a massive Publix. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's the one a, that's I'll go one. to. Uh, Tuesday, November 14th, 5 to 6 p.m. to meet members of the Jaguars. Very cool. Uh, another event coming up, the tailgate with Tony. 
Sunday, November 19th, ahead of the Titans-Jaguars matchup. Baselli and Jaguars Legends, two different levels of all-inclusive tickets. It benefits the Baselli Foundation. So visit BaselliFoundation.com for more and use the code TONY71 for $71 tickets. 10 o'clock before the game in two weeks' time, Titans-Jaguars matchup. That's uh, next Sunday. Not this Sunday. Correct. Next Sunday. Which is the upcoming game against the Tennessee Titans. Yes, they're in the AFC South. Correct. Correct. Got a, got a new quarterback playing right now. They do. We'll, we'll get to that us. game next week. Yes. Let's take a look now officially at the injury report presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nothing out today yet. Yesterday it was uh, announced around 640 p.m so we might be a couple hours away uh, from the official announcement from the jaguars pr staff for today but yesterday let's review yasir abdullah was ill yesterday did not practice outside linebacker cornerback tyson campbell safety andre cisco both were limited with hamstring issues as was safety daniel thomas limited yesterday with a hamstring issue greg jr full coming off a hamstring injury his window opened a couple weeks ago to get back to work the cornerback uh, could be back. Uh, we'll see how the week goes for him. Also limited with a knee issue, Zay Jones. Uh, with a toe issue, the new offensive lineman, Ezra Cleveland, limited yesterday also. Those are the injuries for the Jaguars. Trent Williams, the tackle for San Francisco, did not practice Wednesday with an ankle issue. He's been battling. We'll see how that progresses as the week moves along. Wide receiver Debo Samuel with a shoulder issue was full. Dre Greenlaw, the linebacker, full with a shoulder issue. Um, two other players did not practice. Ray Ray McLeod, the wide receiver, and guard Aaron Banks. Uh, Drake Jackson, defensive end. Aaron Banks is a big one now. I mean, that's yeah. a, that's starting left guard. I yeah. mean, so you're, if Trent Williams doesn't go, Aaron Banks doesn't go. So the entire left side of the 49ers offensive line is going to be backups. And, and look, Trent Williams is an elite player. I mean, there, there's no around and getting around that. He's a really good football player, one of the top four or five tackles, I think, in the league still, even at the age of, I think he's almost 38. Is he not? He's got to be, yeah. I mean, he's been around for a long time. Um, But the 49ers offensive line is not great. That's one part of their offense that I think has has gone down a little bit. Look, they lost a starting right tackle from uh, last year in free agency. And McKivitz is now the right tackle. But that's, I think, that's a matchup the Jaguars need to take advantage of in this ballgame. I like that. Especially if, especially if Trent Williams doesn't play. Go get him. I mean, Josh Allen, I mean, Josh I might have to wear, he might have to wear a bib coming out <laughs> to play that ball game if he's got a backup. He's going to be drooling, can't wait, you know. To, you know, players always talk about, you know, feasting on. Absolutely. On the game in the moment. And there, there you go, man. That's a uh, – Oh, you can eat buffet with a backup. That would be nice, uh, certainly. Hey, this Saturday, the Jaguars are releasing the second installment of the Lafave co- collaboration. You can purchase at the Miller Electric Center Jaguars Pro Shop starting at 10 a.m. Mm. And if you donate to the Tide Clothing Drive while on site, you'll receive a commemorative Jaguars Lafave poster while supplies last. We did a deep dive into oh. the proper pronunciation. Okay, Easy. <laughs> yeah. 
we did, we we did some research into exactly we 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 promised we weren't going to say that term anymore. Well, you, I I promised. I, I did too, and I I let it. I slip. do it out of just I let it slip. Spite sometimes, but whatever. The uh the proper pronunciation is Lafave. That's okay. what we were told and by it's, a uh, reliable source. Very reliable source. It goes back to a f- uh, to French origins, hmm. right? Sure. You heard it, right? Yeah. Sounds French to me. But uh, some of the stuff that he has, okay, that Lafave has is fantastic. People, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Some of the coolest, hippest stuff that's out there. The uh, second drop on Saturday, the official new era Lafave hat and white, uh, white polo with the 95 logo on it, socks, if you're into that. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got shorts that are, that are killer. So, at la- you know, you might want to come early and get in line. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So that stuff's coming up. Um, hey, uh, you know what else is coming up is Doug Peterson, head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, coming up at 5 o'clock on the Doug Peterson Show about five minutes from right now. We'll get his thoughts coming out of the bye week and trying to get this offense. Uh, they're middle of the pack statistically in total offense and rushing and passing. In fact, 14th in all of those. But situationally, they have left some things out there, third downs, red zone. How do you improve that moving ahead? The health of the team's a little bit better overall, and we'll see what the head coach says about all of that, certainly on the offensive side. He's got to be pleased with what the defense has done so far. Well, yeah, and also pleased with the defense's health. I mean, this yeah. defense, you, know, you, you got Devon Hamilton back. You got Smoot back. Okay, you're getting Tyson Campbell back. Cisco's coming back. Everybody seems to be healthy. This is uh, this defense ought to be in a really good place. But you know, I've always wondered a head coach's approach to getting a team that really kind of had a had an edge prior to the bye week. How do you go about making sure that that edge is retained coming back after the bye week? Because that's not an easy thing to do. You know, you. You get an old mindset as a player, and you know, okay, you Monday you do this, Tuesday you do that, okay, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then Sunday. You know, you're getting your mind, you know, ready for that big day. You know, you got to get back into that flow, back into that rhythm, because you know, you you had four consecutive days off, and hopefully the players took advantage of it from a, from getting a, a rest treatment, getting their bodies back, getting their mind back, and being being right. So. Uh, hopefully this team can keep on rolling. It takes time to, to build that. I mean, because when the Jags left here after week three to go to London, I would say they didn't have an edge. Like, they had just gotten smoked by the Texans. Well, they were still trying to kind of figure things out. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't have an edge. No. And, and they, they were, it almost looked like they weren't having fun playing the game. You know, there wasn't that energy. And then they found the energy at Wembley, and then it's just been, you know, been kind of continuing. And I don't want to say necessarily building but to some extent yes yeah, it's growing and then all defensively of a sudden, <laughs> i think that energy's been building <laughs> and then all of a sudden they go to pittsburgh and they're waving towels in their face I well mean, that's and awesome. look uh, i i still believe that this offense can really make significant strides and, and this defense has been making the strides still got a lot of room defensively to grow and i think this offense definitely has a couple levels that they can attain still yet this year because they were talking, remember, at the start of the year, hey, 30 points a game is doable, right? And what are they, 24 a game right now? So somewhere in that ballpark for What's the, uh, the, the, the offense, Jags offense? Right? I mean, yeah, I mean, in yeah. the last, what, I've heard many games it is. But, you know, I think Trevor put it right. And he, 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 he said this, and I wrote this down because I think he's dead on the money. 
He said it would be nice to put those together against a good team like this. This is the week to do it. You got to play well against great teams. And what he was talking about about you know putting together third down production, uh, protecting the football, all the things that they're not doing great right now as an offense. Putting those things together, making them happen, and then seeing what that looks like. And this would be a really good week to start to get that ball rolling on the offensive side of the ball. No doubt about that. Um, hope you can make it out to the bank on Sunday. One o'clock is the kickoff time. We'll be on the air with the Publix Tailgate Show here in Jacksonville at 10 a.m. And then at 12 noon, it's countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars Radio Network. It's alumni weekend, homecoming weekend, the whole Look, deal. Looking forward to seeing some of the guys. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, can we send an email to the San Francisco 49ers PR department? Because they, on their press release, mm -hmm. got the stadium name wrong, okay? Let's have a little respect for Jacksonville, okay? What does it say? Okay, the opening line of the 49ers release. The San Francisco 49ers return to action this week as they travel to TIAA Bank Field oh, no. to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they're like four time zones away. Time travels, like the Pony Express or something. Right? I mean, I don't know. Really? Hey, let's, let's, let's get the name of the stadium right, okay? It's not that hard. We'll be, we're back in a moment. Jaguars Radio Network coverage begins with the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach and quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Thank you for listening to Jaguars Happy Hour.